Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Beloved in the Lord, let us draw near with a true heart and confess our sins unto God our Father, beseeching him in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to grant us forgiveness. Our help is in the name of the Lord. I said I will confess my transgressions unto the Lord, and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. Almighty God, our Maker and Redeemer, we poor sinners confess unto you that we are by nature sinful and unclean, and that we have sinned against you by thought and word and deed. Wherefore, we flee for refuge to your infinite mercy, seeking and imploring your grace for the sake of our Lord Jesus Christ. O most merciful God, who has given you your only begotten Son to die for us, have mercy upon us, and for his sake grant us remission of all of our sins, and by your Holy Spirit increase in us your knowledge of you and of your will, and through obedience to your word, to the end that by your grace we may come to everlasting life. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, has had mercy upon us and has given us His only Son to die for us. And for His sake, He forgives us all of our sins. To those who believe on His name, He gives power to become the children of God and has promised them His Holy Spirit. He that believes and is baptized shall be saved. Grant this, O Lord, unto us all. Amen. O Lord, I love the habitation of your house and the place where your glory dwells. Vindicate me, O Lord, for I have walked in my integrity, and I have trusted in the Lord without wavering. Prove me, O Lord, and try me. Test my heart and my mind. I wash my hands in innocence and go
Almighty and merciful God, defend your church from all false teaching and error, that your faithful people may confess you to be the only true God and rejoice in your gifts, your good gifts of life and salvation. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. The reading of the Holy Scriptures for this, the twelfth Sunday after Pentecost, the Old Testament reading from the prophet Isaiah, the 29th chapter. The vision of all this has become to you like the words of a book that is sealed. When men give it to one who can read, saying, read this, he says, I cannot, for it is sealed. And when they give the book to one who cannot read, saying, read this, he says, I cannot read. And the Lord said, because this people draw near with their mouth and honor me with their lips while their hearts are far from me and their fear of me is a commandment taught by men. Therefore, behold, I will again do wonderful things with this people with wonder upon wonder and the wisdom of their wise men shall perish and the discernment of their discerning men shall be hidden. Ah, you who hide deep from the Lord your counsel, whose deeds are in the dark, and who say, who sees us, who knows us. You turn things upside down. Shall the potter be regarded as the clay, that the thing made should say of its maker, he did not make me, or the thing formed say of him who formed it, he has no understanding? Is it not yet a very little while until Lebanon shall be turned into a fruitful field, and the fruitful field shall be regarded as a forest? In that day... The deaf shall hear the words of a book, and out of their gloom and darkness the eyes of the blind shall see. The meek shall obtain fresh joy in the Lord, and the poor among mankind shall exalt in the Holy One of Israel. This is the word of our Lord. Thanks be to God. Fear the Lord, you his saints, for those who fear him lack not a thing. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. The epistle reading from St. Paul's letter to the Ephesians, the fifth chapter. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives, as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle, or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. We stand in respect of Christ, whom the Holy Gospel is read. The Holy Gospel according to St. Mark, the seventh chapter. When the Pharisees gathered to Jesus with some of the scribes who had come from Jerusalem, they saw that some of the disciples ate with hands that were defiled, that is, unwashed. For the Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they wash their hands, holding the tradition of the elders. And when they come from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they wash. 
And there are many other traditions that they observe, such as the washing of cups and pots and copper vessels and dining couches. And the Pharisees and scribes asked him, Why do your disciples not walk according to the tradition of the elders, but eat with defiled hands? And he said to them, Well did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites. As it is written, This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. You leave the commandment of God and hold to the tradition of men. And he said to them, You have a fine way of rejecting the commandment of God in order to establish your tradition. For Moses said, Honor your father and your mother, and whoever reviles father and mother must surely die. But you say, If a man tells his father or his mother, Whatever you would have gained from me is Corban, that is given to God, then you no longer permit him to do anything for his father or mother, thus making void the word of God by your tradition that you have handed down. And many such things you do. This is the gospel of our Lord. We confess now together our holy Christian faith in the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead, into heaven, and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. And I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen.
Grace, mercy, and peace be yours from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Today's text from the Gospel reading, Mark the 7th chapter. And Mark writes, And the Pharisees and the scribes asked Jesus, Why do your disciples not walk according to the tradition of the elders? But they eat with defiled hands. And he said to them, Well, did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites, as it is written, This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. So far our text, dear friends in our Lord Jesus Christ. Toward the end of the 4th and the beginning of the 3rd century B.C., there was a very famous architect by the name of Sostratus. Ptolemy I, the ruler of Egypt at the time, employed Sostratus' talents to build the famous and the magnificent the great beacon lighthouse at Alexandria, one of the seven wonders of the ancient world. Ptolemy's purpose in building the beacon light was so that the ships might find their way into the safe haven of the harbor and the port there at Alexandria. Well, legend has it that Ptolemy instructed the architects of Stratus to, to put none other name on the edifice but Ptolemy's only. But when the great lighthouse was completed, though, the architect, Sostratus, he, he chiseled his own name in the stone on a part of the building, but he didn't want it to be easily and readily and immediately visible, so he covered it up with a bit of mud and, and a little bit of whitewash plaster. And on top of that, he wrote with obvious gold letters, the king's name, he wrote Ptolemy, but Sostratus knew well that in time the waves would hit the mud and the plaster and wash it away and then his own name would appear. With those superficial gold letters it's evident that the architect's lips, as it were, honored Ptolemy but in truth his heart was far from him. He sought his own honor over the kings. And very quickly, friends, that brings us to the heart of the matter here today. For whenever the word or the instruction of God, a far higher king, mind you, than Ptolemy, whenever it is washed out and supplanted by any word of man, no matter if that word is new and novel or if it's long-standing and established tradition, whenever it's washed out by the word of man, it is, to be perfectly frank, it's idolatry. Whether intentionally devised or heedlessly followed, whether placed alongside God's word, or somehow seemingly worked into and couched in God's word, whenever anyone would depart from God's given word and teach something other, those gold letters of God's glory and will are washed out for the glory and the will of man. Now you recall the Pharisees, the scribes from today's text, and consider the doctrine that they taught. If you were to take a first century man on the street survey, I'd suppose that nine out of ten, maybe even more than that, would have told you, certainly, of course, their doctrine is a God-fearing, it's a God-pleasing doctrine. They would have said to you, don't you know how much their teaching is, quote, of the word, of the writings of the scriptures? Don't you know how much they use Moses and the prophets in teaching their doctrine? But consider it. Their doctrine, consider that those scholars in the scriptures, the Pharisees, had established no less than 613 prescripts that were above, that were beyond, that were outside of God's written and expressed will, that came to be expected, these prescripts, came to be expected, required, came to be tradition like hand-washing, in fact, as we begin to hear this week, we'll hear more about it next week in the Gospel reading, the Pharisees and scribes became more concerned with the external ceremonial washing and cleansing than, than they were, this cleansing that they themselves had established, and, and more concerned with this than they were with, with the, the soul cleansing which God had established by His Word and by His ordinances. Truly God-fearing? Truly God glorifying or are his gold letters here being washed out? 
By their doctrine is he, is his will being circumvented. Circumvented, speaking of it, that's often what man-made doctrines do. Though they be couched in God's word, so often that's what they do. They circumvent God's word and his will under the pretense of godliness. Think back again to our gospel reading today because Jesus takes the spotlight and shines that incriminating spotlight on a shady little maneuver that had become commonplace to people at the time. It had to do with a little word, the Hebrew word korban. You heard Jesus speak of it in the gospel reading today. Korban. It means in Hebrew, it means offering. And Jesus there in the gospel reading, he cites their own teaching, a piece of Pharisaic tradition regarding a son's obligation to his father and his mother. Now certainly, as Jesus said, Moses, God through Moses, had commanded that one honor his father and mother, but here... According to the Pharisaic tradition established, man-made tradition, any man might withhold due support from a needy father or mother simply by declaring that what would have been required to meet their need was now vowed to God as a sacred gift, hence declaring it Corban, an offering to God. And the Pharisaic tradition then held that such a vow had outweighed every other, every other consideration disengaged a man from every other obligation that involved his money or his goods. You see how it circumvents God's will? Of course, how soon the man who claimed Corbin in the face of his needy father or mother, how soon he would actually pay over to the priest what was due, well, that was another matter. Often, it wasn't even paid. Circumventing God's word with Corbin with their lips, they honor God. But their hearts are in another place. And woe to the man. Woe to the man who would honor God with his lips and yet place his heart on teachings that are man-made. Worse to the church. Worse to its leaders that would do the same thing and lead others to do the same thing. But so it is. Even among the teaching institutions of God's people, that humanly established tradition continues to be spoon-fed, for instance, to young learning minds that, that we just might yet be, though divinely permitted, we might yet be byproducts of cosmic evolutionary processes. But that's not what God were, God's Word says about how it was in the beginning. So it is when God's preachers would require of God's people highest devotion to any other woman or man besides that of Christ Jesus. So it is when God's preachers would require of us special days of devotion on the calendar during the week. So it is when the church, in the name of love, so often capitulates to culture and adopts increasingly established societal traditions about marriage and family and sexuality and fetal human worth, instead of tenaciously embracing with firm resolve what God has expressly in his word declared to be right and good. So it is when God's people are led by addition to God's word, sometimes even called tradition, to look upon their own piety as their seal of salvation, or, or to look to their own external cleanliness, as it were, and talk to rest on the secure in their living a clean life so that one might present himself clean to God. No, but rather a church rightly should focus all attention and eternal hopes on Christ Jesus, who, as our epistle reading tells us, loved us and gave himself for us that he might cleanse us. Not that we would cleanse ourselves, that he would cleanse us by the washing of water with the word so that he, Paul writes in the epistle reading, might present the church to himself. He does the presenting in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing. And certainly, friends, we'd also leave God's word, as Jesus put it today. We would all also leave God's word at the smaller level, at the family level, or the, even the individual level. When, for instance, that marital trouble comes because we husbands, we don't love our wives as endearingly, as fervently as Christ 
loves his church. And because wives don't as lovingly and tenderly submit themselves as readily to their husbands as they would to the Lord, and so troubles come. And we leave his word and follow in the world's tradition when we, his own people, for convenience, because of the trouble. But for convenience would mutually put asunder what God has joined and by his word and in his word has sanctified. And certainly we've all cried Corbin, as it were, when under the cover of something that appeared godly, we find our excuse to do what's expedient and to do what's preferred and to do what's desired instead of doing what's right. And I tell you, by embracing, to any degree, by embracing any such God-opposed teachings or traditions or, or doctrines, in effect, then, wouldn't we be handing them down to, to our own children as we encourage them? by embracing them so that in one facet of our life or another, Christ's words from the gospel reading today would certainly apply to you and and to me as well. When he says, you make void, literally, in the original language, it's you, de-lord. You dislord the word of God by your tradition that you have handed down. The traditions of men. Now, mind you, I'm not talking and haven't here at all been talking about the fine ones, and there are good ones, good practices, good customs that are based on God's Word. I'm not talking about those, those that are squarely built and based upon God's Word, but, but rather the man-made doctrines, teachings that stand above, that stand beside, that stands, stand outside the light of God's Word, those doctrines of men, those traditions, they never will Direct souls, those tossed about, those wayfaring, those adrift, they'll never direct souls into heaven's safe haven in the way that that great Alexandrian lighthouse was established to beckon homeward bound ships into the safety of the, the harbor. Man's word, man's doctrines can never do that. That's why Jesus, he was so irate and angry in today's text precisely because man's Doctrines always shipwreck souls in sin's darkness and leave us there. Why? Because, because man's doctrines inevitably wash away the bright letters, the gold letters of Christ and Him crucified, so that the builders of those man-made doctrines will be glorified. Man's doctrines, they're no lighthouse. They point you away from the light of Christ, leave you shipwrecked in the dark, left in our sin. But what does the psalmist say? He says, your word, Lord, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. God's word points us not to some speculative, not to to some shady, creative, evolutionary process but illuminates the Christ, man's only ray of hope, promised to our fallen race from the very day, a literal day, that we fell into sin's shadows. God's word points us not to some self-made and therefore uncertain salvation by the work of our hands or our best life lived. No, but it points us to certain salvation by him, Scripture says, who knew no sin, his life, that well lived for you. Him who knew no sin, but but yet for you, for us, became sin for us. So that in Him, washed in Him, baptized in Him, we might become the righteousness of God. So He's done it for you. That's why Jesus said, I've come not to abolish the law, the commandments. I've come to fulfill them and to fulfill them all for you on your behalf. So you see, though, couched in scriptural tone, other doctrines, other gospels, As Paul calls them, other traditions, teachings of men would point you in other directions, leave you still in the dark, but Christ Jesus, Him crucified for your sins, for the full forgiveness of them, raised for our assurance that He's done it and He's done it all. That's the bright light of God's Word, beaming from every page of Scripture. 
And I'd say quite a welcomed light, isn't it, in a sea of man-made rules and regulations? I began today in the sermon talking about that great lighthouse of Alexandria. Now that light that, that once beamed from that ancient Alexandrian lighthouse, you can imagine it must have been quite a welcome sight for those sea-wearied sailors. Must have been. In fact, it was said to be visible for mariners out there at sea, even 35 miles, it said, offshore. Did you put yourself in their boat? There you are, a soul out at sea, at night out on the great sea, clouds overhead, veiling the stars, veiling the astral guides, so that you're unsure in that condition where to go, which way, which direction to sail, and one aboard declares to you confidently, teaching you, sail on this way, this is the way to go. Someone else on board tells you, no, this, this over here, that's the way that you must go. This is the way we must do things. This is the way we must sail. And then you look up and you see out there on the dark horizon, you see that unmistakable light. Unmistakable light penetrating the darkness, having the final say, putting to rest all other ways that would direct you into all other things. That light drawing you with its beckoning beams toward the safety of home and its harbor. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Jesus said, when I am lifted up, I will draw all people to myself. For as Christ said, so must the Son of Man on the cross be lifted up, that whosoever sees the Son of Man and believes in him shall not perish but be brought to that safe haven of eternal life. Friends of God's word, Luther once said, it is the only source and sun from which all teachers must light their lamps. Tune your ears to it alone and know it by its mark because it tells you not what you must do for God, it tells you what God in Christ has already done for you and what he freely gives. Tune your ears to it and then tune out all other chatter. For as we so often sing, it's God's word that's our great heritage. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.
to the whole people of God in Christ Jesus and for all people according to their need. We pray. For the church, the bride of Christ Jesus, that his people be delivered from thoughtless worship, and that as we praise him with our lips, we may also honor him in our hearts. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For all servants of the word, that they would not mingle human philosophies or innovations with the word of God in order to make it appealing to the world, but rather that they would speak the word of truth in love and hand on to the next generation the faith once delivered to the saints. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For God's institution of marriage, that he would defend it from those who would subvert it and strengthen all husbands and wives, that they may honor it in their lives and love one another and dedicate themselves to the responsibilities of this holy estate. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For the church, that she may not encourage the evils of our age by either her approval or her silence, but rather that she may faithfully proclaim God's revealed will and endorse and defend only that which is good and right in his sight. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For the leaders of our nation, that they be given grace to serve with humility and wisdom and courage and integrity as they faithfully perform the duties of their respective offices of the government. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For all who are ill or in need of God's healing power, especially August Sinzig and Michelle Senzig, who both beg his daily strength as they engage their battles with cancer, for Paul Duell and others who struggle with Parkinson's, for others weakened by other illnesses and all family members of the ill, that they may be encouraged by God's promises and the concern of others, for those confined to their homes and all who care for them, for the lonely and the dejected, for God's people in prison, for those who are dying and those who serve them, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For those who defend us from crime at home and those who serve our country in distant places, for firefighters and border patrols and emergency workers, for teachers and students returning to school, for all honorable professions and honest businesses, and for those who are retired that our society would be richly blessed through every good vocation. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For mothers preparing to celebrate the birth of children, that they would be protected from all harm and danger. For those celebrating birthdays or anniversaries of marriage, especially Don and Carolyn Brink, as they thank you for 47 years of marriage, that their celebrations would know God's blessings. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For the company of saints, glorified with Christ in heaven, we offer our grateful praise, begging the Lord of the church to gather us home with them into the kingdom of our Father. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. Into your hands, O Lord, we commend all for whom we pray, trusting in your mercy, through your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, who has taught us together to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the cast the bright beams of your light upon your church, that we, being instructed by the doctrine of the blessed apostles, may walk in the light of your truth, and finally attain to the light of everlasting life. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Receive now the benediction of our Lord. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. 
The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. Amen.